0: Often said that everything began spiritually and it's going to end spiritually. Amen. It's not going to end by the ways of man. Man is not going to call the shot, so to speak. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not up to man. We know there's an end, don't we? So declared in the Word. The preparational theme that we've been about for quite some time It's for purpose, it's not just to have information. It's not just to have something to throw out and convey. It's for purpose. If we're not prepared, I don't even want to think of the alternative. I'm talking spiritual preparation. The world around us is plunging further and further into darkness it's very evident I'm hearing more and more I'm listening now to even secular people that are catching hold and even making comments about there's really something strange going on and they're seeing the the faults and the and the things occurring themselves now this is a little uncommon because usually you know the world just goes with the world whatever the way it flows that's the way that goes but But now, this additional observational, and I'm talking about using evidence seen. Remember that because I've said it before, evidence seen. But in speaking of descending or plunging, going further into darkness that's something that the church Christians should take note of but on the other hand there is a a huge percentage of people who are paying no attention at all it's like it's not shocking just the way it is and this subtle encroachment that again has begun quite a ways back and now becoming more extensive and, and, and so many other things uh, adding on the wagon if you will and becoming involved with this deterioration and this darkness and, and you know say so, well you know it sounds like all you talk about is gloom I'm going to tell you what it's worse than gloom yeah. this, this ending of this cycle that we are in right now this ending is going to be a whole lot worse than gloom And that's why God is trying to get his church, his people prepared for this event or this series of events. It might get boring and you might think, man, is there not something else to preach? But I'm going to preach this as long as God is impacting me with this preparational thing. Because I don't need to be told how good I am. I don't need to be told that tomorrow is going to be such a greater day, that you're going to prosper uh, forever. Because that's a lie. At the same time, this plunge is occurring into darkness. There's fairy tale fiction being perpetrated upon people trying to make them believe that there's either not really an event like the Bible speaks of, or that's going to be a whole lot less than what it is. And it's alarming. This is something else, and I was just listening this week, I thought, this guy is a talk show host, but I like to listen to him because he is very observing of world events. And that's what he reports on, and that's what he dissects and what he takes apart. And he, he himself seeing the signs, and his warning was this, and it was amazing, it was amazingly alarming, his warning was this, Christians are under attack, I thought. You're one of the only ones that see that, in the media at least. Well, they might see it, but they're not going to own up to it because they're part of it. Throughout God's Word, we find warning after warning against the means that brings about this darkness that I'm talking about. Warning after warning, time after time, through generation after generation, warnings. But it still goes on. Warnings not heeded, warnings not paid attention to, warnings we could care less. It's always the case. Biblically, it's been the case. But biblically, we we have also been headed, generation after generation, we have also been headed as we are today towards the ultimate final end. That is going to happen. And it's going to happen by extreme measure. It is happening with extreme measure. The darkness is happening all around us. God's Word uses specifics. Listen to me. God's Word uses specifics to address the generalities of society. What do I mean by that? Specific instances involving maybe even real people. But it is structured in a way that it relates directly to the entirety of a society or a culture, if you will amazing how that works we live in an adulterous society by great degree now don't jump on the defining term in your own mind just yet we know what that means but it also has a spiritual meaning we're living in. It's very apparent, huh? If you know what I'm talking about, it's very apparent. As man degenerates, spirituality degenerates. Because who are the only creatures on earth that are able to be spiritual? It's not dogs and cats, regardless what you might believe. Humans are the only ones that have the ability to be spiritual. One way or the other but we live in an adulterous society in an adulterous generation and an adulterous culture made up of many adulterous individuals. Mm. Adultery can be related to one specific occurrence of individuality or it can be related to a culture as a whole. See. Regardless, it is a defiance of God. It is a rejection of God. That's why God hated it so bad. That's why it's the seventh commandment. Exodus twenty fourteen. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Period. No further explanation. Because it's explained throughout Scripture anyway. trying to explain and somehow to to bring up and bring forth the the intensity first of all of all that's occurring but again to try to bring up and pry open a reality and an understanding of the church which many have grown numb and deaf and blind to what's taking place around and even joined in and jumped on the bandwagon That's a definite sign. What are you talking about? That long word. Spiritual adultery is taking up with a culture that is degenerating and immoral and ungodly and replacing it as your love instead of God. Well, what degree are you talking about, any degree? That's that's a stupid question. What can I get by with? To what degree do I really have to fulfill my commitment to God? Stupid question. 100%. To what degree do you fulfill your relationship with a husband or a wife? 75? 50? Less? 99 is not enough. You see, because this thing started real small. This adulterous generation began with real small, and then it began as society continued, as cultures continued and went along, and we find ourselves in this present generation, which I'm beginning to wonder if it's not the most evil, wicked generation that's ever existed on earth. Because in comparison to some of the others named biblically, I'm trying to find any worse things that they did that's not taking place now. This word this morning is is not to criticize. Listen to me. Anybody here, this is to strengthen our commitment to God. Amen. And if we're going to to be above the darkness, there's some things what the church has got to do. Now, I'll give you some scriptures in a minute. This is merely platform so far. The Bible speaks of adultery at least thirty-eight times. That sounds like God kind of meant. Pay attention. There's many things that's only mentioned once in God's word, but that's enough. Thirty-eight times. Breaking it down, much to the dislike of many, like a lot of things that are sinful, you start breaking it down, you start getting people that don't like it, right? What are we saying? That don't even want to be told anymore. And if you do, you're public enemy number one. And you're offending them. Oh, I've just got... I'm scared to death for your soul, folks. If you even mention that, you're going to be wrong. See, because there's an all attempt to shut out anything to do with God, anything of God, anything about Jesus Christ, anything of the Holy Spirit, anything that's biblical, to snuff it out, shut it down, and do away with it. You know where that comes from? It didn't just pop up yesterday. It comes from satanic origin. The prime arch enemy of God. And us. And seemingly what much of the church, it's really hard for them to grab a hold of and understand, again, that he doesn't come with blazing artillery and easily observable destructive means. He comes by little subtle ways and he warms him his way in into the culture of any society Again, by simplest measures sometimes things that don't look so bad of themselves but as it goes along it always gets worse we're in a state of worse and growing, worsening. When I say we were, I'm talking about the culture. Do you know culture is never neutral? This one definitely is It's moving ahead full steam. It's not laying lax. It's not laying idle. And when I'm speaking of culture, I'm talking about the sinful culture that we're living among we got to identify. We've got to pay attention. We've got to see what's going on. If we never look, if we never see, if we never pay attention to what's going on, we're not going to be effective in contesting it. Personally and individually, for your survival is key here. Your survival as a Christian, let me say that. It's key upon how you respond to the culture you're living in and how you respond to the Word of God. And you take the word of God. Because the word of God is contrary to the culture we're living in. Amen. You're either going to be a part of one. No. Wait a minute. How can we be a part of one and a part of the other? You've got to be all of one. All of God. All to God. All about God. Or you're going to get mixed up in this culture that we're living among that is heading towards nothing but destruction. So what causes that? Well, again, it's the the working motive of the enemy of all of us here and countless zillions more. We know who that is. To man and to the world and to the society and to the culture, culture that we're living in, adultery has become a pleasure. Now, I'm saying that because there's a connection, there's a relation to spiritual adultery and physical adultery. And it pretty much winds up having the same terrible ending. Destruction. Destruction. The Bible explicitly says that. We'll see some scriptures here in a minute. The ending of spiritual adultery, listen to me, the ending of spiritual adultery is literally a death sentence. It's a death warrant. And I'm talking against God. There can be things committed against humans and against people that are titled with the same word, but when it comes to God, it's almost like there's there's not a, a remedy. And the generation continues to plunge towards that. The signs are prevalent. They're everywhere. We'll get here in a minute to what do we do about this? Not just yet. Hang on and bear with me. Taking up a wicked and arrogant, a self-indulgent attitude. And that's where we're at. is biblically referred to as being in an adulterous relationship away from God what's self-indulgent doing as you please that's a religion today, did you know that oh it might not have a book or what they call a bible but it's a religion self-indulgence, arrogance that's the title of a society biblically so Not a right society, a wrong society. A society that's away from God instead of with God. A society that's against God instead of a society that's for God. See, the church is the cultural society that's supposed to be for God. Christians are supposed to be for God. Standing up for the truth of the word. Mm -hmm. For the truth of God and all righteousness. And opposed to sin and wickedness and evil. Even arrogance, even self-indulgence. But what about that? Because self-indulgence has pleasure. We talked about that not long ago. And man is attuned to pleasure. And the enemy knows that. So he creates, articulates, fabricates pleasurable things. Entices people for pleasure. I'm not saying pleasure that's right. I'm talking pleasure that's wrong. I'm talking about pleasure that takes people away from God instead of towards God. Our society is literally reeking and dripping with this very thing our culture. Many of you know cultures change. Who changes culture? The people of the culture. Who changes it in a bad way? People of the culture that like to do bad things. But it's also caused by people of the culture that know to do good things, but they don't. All this necessary for evil. Evil triumph is for good men to do nothing. This adultery again has no other end. There's no other culmination available other than destruction. And ultimately that's where the word takes us. And that's generally what this society, this culture, this sense, basically the fall of man is headed to an ultimate end. But thank God we got a Savior that can make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. But you know, we're primarily responsible for that ourselves, which road we're going to take. And it can't be two. There's not a why that you can choose that way one day and the next day, well it's time to go to church. I'm talking adultery against God. I'm talking faithful relationship. I'm not talking one way one day and another way the next. That's if you look at any failed culture or generation, there's been many since since creation many. History even records it. History also records the drastic means by which these failures occurred. And they're horrific. Horrific. People undergoing and and having to go through and face the most horrendous things to the point of death. You know when the Babylonians were destroyed or in war talking back in thousands of years ago did you know the men it was so bad they were under siege because of their wickedness the Babylonian Empire has been known biblically and you can find it and you can research it multiple times as the wicked generation of the day evil Committing every possible immoral thing that you could even think of. Much like our culture today. And it was so bad when the Chaldeans took the city, sieged it, that the men, listen to this, it was so bad, the atrocities and the horrific things they were doing, that the men, the dads, The husbands took their wives and their children and strangled them to death to keep from them facing what was going to happen to them. That's just history. Yeah, history repeats itself too. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really, really alarms me about America, I, I love America, I love this country, I hate what's happening to it. But the thing that alarms me is that it seems to be going right along this path of committing adultery against God (coughs) by leaps and bounds. And it's not going to get by with it. He will not because God has not set America to be any different than any other nation that's ever existed just because we're America if you look at history you will find great countries Rome being one of them Babylon others when they involved themselves in things that I'm talking about today the immorality the the lewdness the everything you can imagine everything that defied God they wanted nothing of God they wanted pleasure they wanted to do the things of pleasure they wanted to stay involved in the things of pleasure sin, wickedness, none of that mattered to them and they fell and they fell hard one after the other so what am I saying get this an adulterous society destroys and subverts with all out of intent to destroy the people of God if they can't destroy it, people if they can't destroy it, They'll subvert them. What does that mean? Draw them their way. Get them on board. Not the drastic measures. <coughs> Enticement. Pleasure. Starts out very subtle. Before we want to knows it, we're out in the middle of it. In the book of Revelations, here we go, chapter 17. I realize I'm using some terms this morning that were seldom used but they're biblical, and if they're biblical, we better know what they mean. We better understand. This actually involves a different name of what I've been talking about, and it goes right in the lines in the 16th chapter. Seventeenth chapter. I'm sorry. I want you to see something here. This is John the Revelator. Remember, he's seeing these visions when God's taking him up in spirit and he's seeing these visions of what's coming. Of what's coming. Well, what's coming? A lot of things. The culmination of the age. The culm. The end is coming. You know, I've, I've tried to visualize me and John, and he's man. All these things are just. Can you can you imagine the things God is showing him? And we find one here. Begin with verse one of chapter seventeen, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, "Come here." The word says hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth listen to this have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been drunk with the wine of her fornication so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and i saw a woman set upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Look at the description. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. When upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great Admiration. Who is that? Who is that? John's describing. Symbolically, it's a culture. It's a culture. It's a state of civilization. But well, what's he saying? Look at what he said. Look at what he called her. Why is she riding on a beast? What's the beast representing? You get the picture here. I know it's. I know it's a little difficult when you read Revelations. You try to visualize this. He's, he's talking about the atmosphere and the attitude in the days of the end when the world the goings on of the world are caught up in nothing but wickedness and defiance with God and this queen being the symbolic power of it all remember culture society don't don't visualize her as just some kind of a human figure on a throne this is symbolic riding up on this scarlet colored beast anybody interested in knowing what the beast represents represents government represents government but what's the emphasis of her riding on it because it's supporting her it's carrying her this is speaking of an anti-christian government promoting purporting, propelling Assisting, financing her illicit behavior. When I say illicit, I mean illicit. Ring any bells? Now, it's very apparent there that she has seduced many. Seduced goes along with enticed, altered, brought into her presence, in culture, end time culture, seductress but don't frame it in the gender culture. There's also, by researching included and involved in this, a forcefulness, power of force. She has been able to seduce because she's been supported, she's been provided the whatever to carry on her means it's time for the truth folks Amen. If this country doesn't turn around this country's in trouble Amen. you won't defy God very long I'm not getting political but uh are you kidding me more of the same yep. did you hear those words I'm going to give you more of the same, not changing anything. And you know who said that? I hope you do. So who's government? There's been a number of pastors arrested and jailed in this country recently. Any of you seen this? Federal agents go to their homes in front of their wives and their children at multiple gunpoint because they were standing in a divorce clinic handing out literature in a public place. Now what is that? What is that? That's force. And it's beginning. Well, that's just kind of a little bit sporadic. Occurrences. No, oh, it's increasing. The support of those in authority for immorality, ungodliness, and more of it and other forms of it. Never thought to be even possible. Who'd ever thunk it, right? But here we are. This Babylonian scene here is is actually, uh, many think, a religion of the world at the time. Well, how can that be a religion because people adopt it? And it becomes so ingrained in them and such a belief it becomes a religion to them. That's hard to beat, right? You ever try to deal with a, a members of a cult? You can't convince them. They're right. What they're doing is right. Don't tell me. I know what's right. The word of God is what's right. Amen. 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 But see this culture is disregarding it more and more and more. If any at all. You know the greatest weapon against this? Against this that's going on? You know what the greatest weapon is? I'm going to show you. Goes right back to the theme where I started, comparing two things. Go to Proverbs with We find here a writing of Solomon's in the sixth chapter of Proverbs. And it looks like it's merely earthly or some kind of good advice to a a child. And indeed it is. But it also bears a great significance and an emphasis to a child of God. I want to read it. Getting in the 20th verse of chapter 6, it says, My son could be my daughter. My son, my child keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother that's wonderful advice in itself isn't it now this indeed is speaking much of a family situation with parents godly father godly mother It says commandments and law. Notice that. The commands of the Father. What have we got? What did I quote earlier starting out? Thou shalt not, what? Commit adultery. What is that? Eight. Commandments. bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck now how do you tie a commandment on your heart or bind a commandment on your heart you do it spiritually where do you get it at Right here. This is your weapon. Regardless of what happens to this Babylonian culture, and it is going to happen when you bind the commandment of God upon your heart, it's like wrapping it. For what reason? First of all, protection. I think I said this a while back. The Word of God will protect you from the influence of evil, from the seduction of a culture that's ungodly and immoral and unrighteous in every way. That's the wonderful thing God gave the believers in Jesus Christ and the church to fend off and to be able to have enough sense to stay away from the nonsense that's taken people to hell. Into ultimate destruction. To not be caught up in the spirit of adultery against God. Tie them about thy neck. This literally means tied around your throat. Tied around your throat. To the point, a little bit of slack, but not very much. Why would you tie the Word of God to your throat with just a little bit of slack? Because when you start to go the wrong way, it has the ability to jerk your attention back. You ever train a dog? I mean, really train a dog? That German Shepherd of mine was Contrary when I first got him. He'd be about 110 pounds and he wouldn't listen to me for nothing. He'd go do what he want to do. He goes chase whatever smell he wants to chase. So I got me a little instrument called a pinch collar. And I put it on him and I had the other end and I'd give him a little slack and when he decided he wanted to run off his own direction, guess what, he learned real quick. Who his master was it got to where I could lay a stake down in front of him not a stake but a piece of meat I'm gonna my stake down, <laughs> down. <laughs> a piece of meat and tell him to stay and he would sit there and look at that and never touch it and I believe he would do it to death because he learned faith in his master and obedience What God's looking for, isn't it? Amen. Faith in Him and obedience, that's the relationship with God. But you see, this culture is not that way. Let's read a little more. Verse 22: When thou goest, it shall lead thee. Hmm. What shall lead thee? The commandments and the law. The Word of God. Let's just say the Word of God. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. You like that? Mm-hmm. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. The Word of God ever talk to you? Mm-hmm. The commandments, the, the Word, does it ever speak to you? Does it ever give you good advice? Mm-hmm. It, has it ever on occasion given you, don't do that? Yeah. Yeah. Why did it do that? Because you knew it, right? You knew not what to do. You know knew what to do because you had the Word in you. For the commandment, this is a lamp. The commandment is a lamp. Where does the commandment come from? what the first verse we read say? Father. The commandment is a lamp and the law. where did the law come from? It said mother, but this is relationship. The law is light. You don't get a light without a lamp. The commandments is the lamp. Word of God is the is the lamp. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I get the light? I mm-hmm. ignite the wick with faith and obedience. Mm-hmm. Then you get the light. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can see it, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can see in the darkness. Where did I start out? The society's plunging into darkness. Mm-hmm. But if you got the lamp and the light. It's not going to affect you. Even though it's affecting multitudes of millions, if not billions of people, it's not going to affect you. Isn't that comforting? Amen. Son, this is what's going to keep you out of trouble. Yes. This is what's going to keep you from being seduced and victimized and in the ultimate destroyed. Looks like just a discussion about a father and a mother. This is bigger than that. And look at the latter part of verse 23. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Where does instruction come from? From the commands and the law. They're what? The ways of life. It's your life's plotting. It's your life's course. This is what keeps you on course. This is what keeps you away from that stuff. It disallows you from being sucked in. And it's to a point. It's got a vacuum. Anybody notice? Everybody else is doing it. I think I'll try That's a vacuum. And it's a vacuum for a reason. It wants to suck you in to its destructive process. Young people, you're faced with, it's unimaginable. Every day, all day long, I would venture to to present to you this morning. There's an attempt to suck you in and suck you in deeper. Resist. Resist. This is your hope. This is your promise. It's more than hope. To keep thee from the evil woman. Now don't take that as direct. This is a culture we're talking about. Again, symbolic of the Babylonian one riding on the government's wings. From the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Let's catch that. The flattery of the tongue. What seduce more than anything else? Words. Just make them nice. Even though it's evil, make them nice. Make it sound sweet instead of bitter. It's seduction. Mm. It's everywhere. Lest not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Just because it looks pretty don't mean you need any of it. Just because it's beautiful, doesn't mean it's going to get you in serious trouble. Or it's not going to get you in serious trouble. Take thee with her eyelids. What does that mean? Don't look into her eyes. what's that do what are the eyes what's the bible say the eyes are gate to the soul gate to the intent gate to the will to the seduction don't allow it don't let it happen see there's means in the beginning of the process that we can prevent ourselves from getting in a whole lot of trouble you're found right here Found right that's the importance of closing up in fact I'm going to close right there with another verse I've been talking darkness the society and culture that's inundated by It's black it's dark almost if you if you really cut the mustard and look at it like it needs to be looked at, it's just dense. The atmosphere is just thick, the dark, the evil. Gospel John, chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Who said that? Jesus. Does that make it so? Yes. yes. The commandment, the law, the light. Jesus came to fulfill the commandment. I heard that this morning at Sunday school. Fulfill the commandments. Fulfill the law. The light of the world. That those who would receive him, believe upon him, and walk with him, and stay with him, and not be seduced off into some kind of a wild worldly culture that leads nowhere other than to destruction. We don't have to walk in darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. Cuz we have. We have, we have. Do you have? Amen. Who are you following? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. Anybody else here following Jesus? His yeah. only way. He's the only light we've got in the darkness. Would you stand? He that followeth me. That doesn't mean just trail along behind. And go here and go there in the process. Mm-hmm. When the prophet Elisha was training under the prophet Elijah in the book of Kings, Second Kings, they tried to draw him away. There were even some of the religious crowd. Take that lightly. That attempted to draw Elisha away from Elijah. Come on over here with us, they said. Be of our kind. You know what he said? He said, No, my eyes are not going to depart from me. father, called Elijah, father. They tried again. Matter of fact, I think they tried about three times. He said, No. He said, I'm going to be there when he leaves this earth. And <laughs> you know what happened? I know the story? Not story, but did count. Yeah. When Elijah was taken up, Elijah did not die. Amen. One of the only two people in the Bible that did not die. Everybody else is going to die. They have and they will. But Elijah went up in a chariot of fire. Amen. Amen. And Elisha saw it. You know why he saw it? Because his attention was on Father, his father, earthly prophet Father, that was headed towards the Father. Amen. 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 You know what happened after that? Elijah's mantle fell off and descended to the earth. Guess who it fell on? Elisha and he got a double portion. Praise God of the power of God. Amen. Now that's another story, but stick with God. Amen. Stay with the light. Don't play with the darkness. It comes in many forms, and they can look so wonderful, and they can be so appealing to the most minute thing that you would not think would be harmful to you at all, and it'll suck. You in to the culture of Babylon. <laughs>